knowing the will of God. I did a study. In fact, I've, I've done a study oh, it's probably five or six times I've taught it. Uh, I did it the college retreat the very first time I ever did it. I, I did a college retreat on knowing the will of God, and that's always a hot topic. done it at different Sunday school classes, different things. And everybody wants to know God's will for their life. They say things like, what does God want me to do? And as we looked last time, we saw that uh, we touched on these issues as Abraham has sent his servant to find a bride for Isaac. We talked, and we think about knowing God's will and all of these things. There are three big principles that we always talk about. These are how I named them, but they're, 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 they fit. The, the first, there's the sovereign will of God, the specific will of God, and then what we call the general will of God. Now, once you think about it, the sovereign will of God is what's going to happen. God is working all things according to the counsel of his will. It's going to come to pass. He is God. He, he, he works all things. Everything fits. And so the sovereign will is there. Now, listen, we don't know the sovereign will of God for our lives. We know the sovereign will of God, some in the Scripture, because it says he's going to do this in the future. He's going to do that. He's going to come back. He's going to come get us. There's going to be a kingdom. We know that. But as far as what's going to happen to us tomorrow or the next day or the next day, we don't know. We don't know his sovereign will for our lives. We don't know all that. There is a specific will of God. The specific will of God is found in his word. It is written revelation. We can know the specific will. Now, by the way, we cannot get out of the sovereign will of God. It's not possible because God's sovereign will will come to pass. Specific will is his written revelation. It's the word of God. And uh, it tells us what to do, the rights and wrongs, the commands, the principles to be obeyed. And we can get out of the specific will of God because we can disobey it. If he says don't lie and we lie, we just got out of the specific will of God. Now, even when we disobey, even when we get out of the specific will, or when we don't fit the specific will, that still all fits in the sovereign will, because everything fits in the sovereign will of God. It's hard for us to grasp. Then it takes us to the third area, which is the general will, and we call the general will this, because it is areas in which we have no specific revelation. In other words, things like what time to get up, what clothes to wear, what, who, what, who to marry, what, whether you buy this house or not. There are all kind of decisions that we make all the time that are not script, that are, do not have Scripture in there. We, do, we cannot go to the Bible and find the answer. That's why we call them the general will. One of the things we find is that you have freedom to make any choice you want when you have no specific revelation. You have freedom. And we talked about that last time. So the sovereign will will come to pass. The specific will is to be obeyed, can be disobeyed. The general will is where we have freedom to make choices when, uh, when we don't have specific revelation. And it's not right or wrong issues. And that all fits together. So it's a great powerful truth. The general will, decisions fit in the sovereign plan of God. And so there's some great truths there. And, I mean, it, it's really hard. People have been taught that, you know, there's one little dot for your life. And if you ever get out of that will, if you make the wrong decision, marry the wrong person, buy the wrong house, take the wrong job, you're in trouble for the rest of your life. And I think that you'll find the Scripture doesn't talk about that at all. Scripture tells you the rights and wrongs found in the Word of God. That's where you can violate and do wrong. But on most decisions where you have, in fact, on all decisions where you do not have biblical revelation, they're not right or wrong issues. You can't go wrong. Now, you can make maybe an unwise choice, but it's not necessarily sin. It's not necessarily wrong. And so we'll, we'll anyway. But the bottom line is, I wanted to go back over that, is because in this passage, we're seeing the sovereign plan of God, how God is working in the life of the servant and Rebecca and Laban and the family and the whole trip. And he's working all of these according to the counsel of his will. It's going to happen just how God has it. But here's the servant, and the servant has to make choices. In fact, we're going to see the servant makes a decision, makes a statement. And we'll see that he's still saying, I, you know, is this what God wants or not? I mean, I'm, I've got to make decisions and see how they fit together. Now, let's remember where we are. Um, in chapter 24, verse 1, Abraham was old and based in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham. Abraham said to his servant, the oldest of his household, who was in charge of all that he owned, Please place your hand on my thigh. I want you to, I want you to swear. 
And to place the hand under the thigh was a way to, to, to it was like an oath, and he's going to make an oath. And here's what he wanted him to do. He, he wanted him to go back to his relatives and get a son, uh, get, get, a, get a bride for his son. Notice, I will make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you shall not take a wife from my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I live. You'll go to my country, to my relatives, and take a wife from my son Isaac. Now, that's pretty straightforward. He says, what I want you to do is get on your camel. Get a bunch of you, get on the camel, because it's not just one guy going, it's a bunch of people going. And I want you to make a trip all the way back there, 500 miles, there's no telling how long it's going to take them. It may take them as long as four to five months to make the trip. I want you to get there, I want you to go to my relatives, I want you to find a bride for my son. And he asked the, the, the logical question, well, um, suppose I get up there and I find a woman I think's good, and she won't come. Do you want me to then come back here, get... Isaac and take him up there and let him look around <laughs> and he says no 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 do not take him back there I don't want him going back there I don't want him marrying any woman here but I don't want him to go back there because this is the land that God's given us what could happen if he goes back there and finds some woman there he may stay there and listen no 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 this is the land that God has given to us so no I don't want you to do that in fact if you go back there and you find the woman and she won't come the oath is off the vow is over. You don't have to worry about it. So the servant took ten camels and uh, took off. And probably he's got six or seven helpers with him because some of the camels are carrying things. And, and one of the camels at least is going to be able to carry her back and, and all of this. And so they're on their way there. And it, what happens is just so amazing. He gets there and he goes where women are because he knew that the women would be coming out to, to the place of the water. And so he gets there. Notice it says, when verse 10, the, the servant took ten camels from the master and he set out. And, and when he got down there, he got to Nahor. And it says in verse 11, he made the camels kneel down outside the city by the well of water at the evening time. Why? Well, that's the time when the women go out to draw water. If you've got to find a woman, you've got to go where the women are. It's just that's the way it is. And that's where they were. And now here's the thing that we talked about last week, which is amazing. Look at his statement. He said, O Lord, the God of my master Abraham, please grant me success today and show loving kindness to my master Abraham. Behold, I'm standing by the spring and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Now here's his plan. May it be that the girl to whom I say, please let down your jar so that I may drink. And who answers, drink and I will water your camels also. May she be the one. And what's happening is the women are going to come out and they're going to have their jars. And they're going to have, have them filled up with water. And they're going to come out. And he's going to say, can I, I, want to, can I have a drink of your water? And she's going to let down the jar. And she's going to pour it out. And when he says, may I have a drink? And she says, yes. The one that's going to be the right one is also going to say, and I'm going to water your camels for you also. How many camels has he got? Ten camels. That's a lot of watering. That really is. That's a big job. And so whoever this is, he says, let that be the right one. Well, what is so amazing, verse 15 says, boy, he'd even finished speaking. Rebecca, who was born to Bethuel, the son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor's, uh, of Abraham's brother Nahor. I mean, this is, this is the family. She comes out with the jar on her shoulder. She is beautiful and she's a virgin and, and it's just, she's the greatest and she filled her jar. And so he says, can I have a drink? In verse 18, she says, drink, my Lord. And she quickly lowered the jar from her hand, gave it to him. Now, when she had finished giving the drink, she said, I will draw also for your camels until they finish drinking. What are the chances of that? Truthfully, that's not that big. A, that's not that good a chance because, because I mean, she, she might have said, listen, yeah, I'll give you some water. But look, I'm, I'm not here to water your camels. I don't even know who you are. But she said, and I'll water your camels. What does he think? Whoa, this, this, I mean, that, that's exactly what we've been talking about. 
And uh, verse 21, this is the one that I, I love. He says, Meanwhile, the man was gazing at her in silence to know whether the Lord had made his journey successful or not. See, there's one other thing that's got to match. Even though she came out, she said the right thing, she did the right thing, she has to be what? One of his what? One of the families. Got to be Abraham's, got to fly right here. Got to have to be Abraham's relatives. So verse 22, when the camels had finished drinking, the man took a gold ring weighing a half a shekel, two bracelets for her wrist, weighing ten shekels, and he said, whose daughter are you? Now last week we didn't, or last time we didn't go into all the details. He didn't put these ring, he didn't put the bracelets on her hand, on her arms yet. He's got them. We're going to see that later he puts them on. So he's got these bracelets and he says, oh, by the way, who are your relatives? Who are your family? Whose daughter are you? And she said, I am the daughter of Bethuel, verse 24, the son of Milcah, whom she bore to Nahor. And there's plenty of room for you to come. As soon as he hears that, he knows it. He knows who that is. That's Abraham's brother. Nahor is. This fits perfectly. So what does he do? Verse 26, the man bowed low and worshipped the Lord. Incredible. Well, he then put the, the stuff on her, that ring in the nose, bracelets she goes home and tells everybody now she has a brother named laban and laban loves things we're going to find we'll see laban a lot more laban's going to be in this book a lot later on and so laban sees all this in fact verse 30 when he saw the ring and the bracelets on the sister's wrist and when he heard the words of rebecca his sister saying this is the man this is what the man said to me he went out to get the man he went out seeing the man standing by the camels now you know what he thinks this guy's rich and he just gave my sister a whole bunch of stuff and I don't know what's exactly going on, but I don't want to miss out on anything. And so he said in verse 31, why are you standing outside? Come on in. And so this is where we start tonight as far as going. It says, so the man entered the house, verse 32, and Laban unloaded the camels, and he gave straw and feed to the camels and water to wash his feet and the feet of the men who were with him. So don't picture that the servant went by himself. He's got ten camels. He's got servants helping him. They're all there. It's like a caravan coming. She knew that. When she saw this man and who he was with, and when she said, I'll water your camels also, she knew there were ten camels. She's got a servant's heart is what she's got. She's an amazing person. We'll see a lot more about her as time goes by. But, so they decide, well, here's what we're going to do. Verse 33, but food was set before him to eat. He said, I will not eat until I have told my business. And he said, speak on. Now, here's the key. He said, I can't eat until we've settled the issue. He's made this long trip. And it looks like everything's working out perfectly. He had already said to God, whichever one of the girls comes out and, and I say, let me have a drink. She says, okay, can I water your camels? That's the right one. And then if she fits the family, and the best I can tell, she fits the family perfectly, this must be it. Who's working all of this according to the counsel of his perfect will? God is. But who's making the decisions? Who's choosing to do what? It's, it's the servant. It all fits together that we, we, every day we get up, we make choices, we do things, and we obey the scripture, and we have choices that, that, that are not right or wrong issues, and yet every bit of that fits in the sovereign plan of God for our lives. It's just beautiful. He says, I can't go any further. I'm not even going to eat till I tell you. So they said, okay. Verse 34. So he said, I am Abraham's servant. Now, they knew who Abraham was. They knew exactly who Abraham was. The Lord has greatly blessed my master so that he's become rich. And he has given him flocks and herds and silver and gold and servants and maids and camels and donkeys. I mean, he's rich. Now, here's what's happened. 
Now Sarah, my master's wife, bore a son to my master in her old age. You notice he didn't say in Abraham's old age. I want you sometime to read chapter 25. Not now. But do you remember that when uh, Isaac was born, what did we know about both Abraham and Sarah as far as their ability to produce children? Long past. Both of them. Both of them. In fact, you go to the book of Romans, it talks about both of them were dead. Sometime read chapter 25. Okay, not tonight. We'll get to the very, I tell you what, we'll get to the end of chapter 24, and if you want to, you can peek ahead to chapter 25, okay? So he says, the Lord is brightly, and my, and my master, Sarah, and Sarah, my master's wife, has bore son to my master in her old age, and he has given him all that he has. Where is Sarah? She's what? She's dead. She already died. Don't you remember? She died. They had to go get the land and had to buy the land from the guy and had to make the big deal. And he got the, uh, uh, the, the, at the Oaks of Mamre, he got the little cave. So he's by himself now. He's by himself. Now here's what my master did. My master made me swear, saying, You shall not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites in whose land I live. Why not? What's wrong with the Canaanites? They're what? They're cursed. Yeah, they're, they're, they're wicked. First of all, they're bad. They don't believe. And they get worse and worse and worse and worse. And when the iniquity of the Amorites or the Canaanites gets full, they're going to all be wiped out. So you don't want, you don't want to marry into that, right? He says, but what you shall do is go to my father's house and to my relatives and take a wife for my son. That, that makes sense. Do it. Okay. Well, here's what happened. Well, uh, I said to my master, suppose the woman does not follow me. What if I go up there and find this woman and she won't follow me? He said to me, the Lord before... Now watch, this is the sovereignty. He said to me, the Lord before whom I have walked will send his angel with you to make your journey successful and you will take a wife for my son from my relatives and from my father's house. Who's working all these things? God's working it all. He says, you know, I don't have to really worry about it because God's working it all. Now... What if, you know, what, what if, verse 41, but then you'll be free from my oath when you come to my relatives, and if they do not give her to you, you will be free from my oath. He knows that obviously if they won't give her, then it must not be what? God's plan. I mean, that's how they're figuring it. And now he repeats the story that we've seen. So I came here today. I came today to the spring and I said, Oh Lord, the God of my master Abraham, if now you will make my journey on which I go successful, please make it work out perfectly. Behold, I'm standing by the spring. And may it be that the maiden who comes out to draw and to whom I say, Please let me drink a little water from your jar. And she will say to me, You drink and I will draw for your camels also. Let her be the woman whom the Lord has appointed for my master's son. Now he tells him, he tells him, that's what I did. I went by the well and I said, Lord, uh, you know, whenever the woman comes out, whatever, whichever one, and I say, can I have a drink? And she says, you can have a drink and not only that, I'll, I'll you know, I'll water your camels. Lord, that, may, let that would be the one. That was my prayer. That's what I want to happen. Well, he tells him, before I even finish speaking, in my heart. You know why he said that? In my heart. It wasn't out loud. He didn't say out loud, Oh Lord, the next woman I see. No, he didn't say that. So that just in case some woman could see that. Because let me tell you what. What did they know about the guy that pulled up with the ten camels? They got some money. 
There's some people there's some people who just pulled up to the well who's got some money. And maybe Rebecca was going, I'll get what's what what's I got to lose. <laughs> Who knows? Before I had finished speaking in my heart, behold, Rebecca came out with a jar on her shoulder and went down to the spring and drew, and I said to her, Please let me drink. She quickly lowered her jar from the shoulder shoulder and said, Drink, and I will water your camels. Also, so I drank and, and she watered the camels also. Now, he's telling the story and he says everything fit perfectly. Then I asked her and I said, whose daughter are you? And she said, the daughter of Bethuel, Nahor's son, whom Milcah bore to him. Now, what does he know right then? That he said, that, so what I did, as soon as I found that out, I put the ring on her nose and the bracelets on her wrist. He gave her the presence right then. Because what he's saying is, she said the right thing, she did the right thing, and she belongs to the right people. So, as we look at providence, does she look like the right one? So far. He says, then he tells what he did. <clears throat> well, here's what I did. <clears throat> I bowed low and I worshipped the Lord and I blessed the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who had guided me, notice, who guided me in the right way to take the daughter of my master's kinsman for his son. It's all the sovereignty of God. He says, I blessed the Lord who guided me. Let me ask you a question. Do you think God guides you day in and day out? Now, are you free to make any choice you want to make? Can you disobey and ob- or obey the Bible anytime you want to, right? And when you get up and you say, I think I'm going to get up at 7, or I think I'm going to wear these clothes, I think I'm going to drive over this way, I think I'm going to go buy a Starbucks, I think I'm going to go over here, I think I'm going to go buy JCP, I think I'm going to go do this. Don't you have the freedom to do all that? And you make those choices, don't you? Do you think God guides you in any of those things? Do you think he's working all things according to the counsel of his will? Is there any such thing as fate or chance? There's not. Does he give us great freedom? And yet, does it all fit in his plan? How can that be? Well, because he's God and he's finite, he's, he's uh, infinite and we're finite. Now, the next verse is one of the keys. Because look at verse 48. I bowed low and I worshiped the Lord and I blessed the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who had guided me in the right way to take the daughter of my master's kinman for his son. He's saying, God guided me to get this woman. But look at the next verse. So now, if you are going to deal kindly and truly with my master, tell me. And if not, let me know that I may turn to the right hand or the left. You know what he said? Now, if you're going to do it and you're going to give me the daughter, let me know. But if not... Let me know, because I've got to go somewhere else. I thought she fit. Well, it seems like she fits, but if they won't give her, what does he know? Obviously, that's not the right one, even though everything seemed to fit. Now, if you're going to deal kindly and truly with my master, tell me. And if not, let me know that I may turn to the right hand or to the left. There's no coincidence. I, I want to put that up. There's no coincidence, no fate, no chances, no such thing as that. He's saying, let me know. We must understand that God is sovereign. Well, look at the answer. Verse 50. Then Laban and Bethuel replied, The matter comes from the Lord. So we cannot speak to you good or bad. You see, listen, we, uh, uh, we, have to, we realize this must be the Lord's doing. We can't say yes or no or, or anything. Because I mean, we do, all we can say is, wow, this appears to be from the Lord. And here's what they said. So here is Rebecca before you. Take her and go. And let her be the wife of your master's son, 
as the Lord has spoken. Take her and go. My first question is, what about Rebecca? Would she got say, excuse me, I'm a, excuse me, I don't know if I want to go. Nobody's even asked me about this. You ever thought about that? They hadn't even said to her, listen, um, this guy from a, you know, you don't know him. They live a long way away. They're just some distant relatives, but uh, he's got a son that wants to marry you. We don't even know what he looks like, but we, he wants to, uh, he wants to marry you, so you're going. Yeah, well, she's taking a present. I don't know what that means. That doesn't mean she's going to marry somebody. But that's a good point. Huh? Do what? Yeah, she's probably going, I can't say a word. Look. They did. My question is, why didn't they ask her? Well, how do we know that? And Because they are going to ask her in just a minute. But notice this. When Abraham's servant heard the words, he bowed himself to the ground before the Lord. He's saying, thank you, Lord. And so then what he does, okay, everybody, presents everyone. The servants brought out articles of silver and articles of gold and garments and gave them to Rebekah. He also gave precious things to her brother and to her mother. And that is true. Who normally had possession? Who normally was in control of all of this? The daddy. Where is the daddy? Well, no, we, we know the son is there, the brother's there, right? Her brother's there, her mother's there. He ate the men, then he and the men who were with him ate and drank and spent the night. They rose up the next morning. He said, send me away to my master. He said, I got it, ready to go. Why not ask her? You know, here's what I thought about. Think about this. Uh, take her and go. Why not ask her? Well, it may... It's truthfully, it may not the custom. I mean, she, the, the, the girl was always under the, fa- the authority of the father, or even sometimes under the authority of the brother if the father wasn't there or wasn't able to do that. And so uh, we see in other places in the Bible where they'd say, here, yeah, you take this woman. It could be that, or it could be that it was so obvious that she wanted to go because she may be saying, I think there's more where this came from. All right? Hazel? I can't hear you. Say it again. Well, we're not sure. That's that, that's the Jewish custom. We don't right now. They're not getting married right this second. All they're doing is doing a betrothal part. Yeah, but that's that's a little bit later. That's when the two parents have come together and make that decision. This is this is a little bit different. This is a long way away, and they're basically he's basically going to see if this woman will come back with him. Uh, I don't think that when he gave her those bracelets that she thought she was fixing to marry somebody. I don't think so. All he said to her when he gave her the gifts, if you remember, was, Who's your family? Oh, you're my relatives. Or you're my master's relatives. Here's some gifts. Well, you know, in that culture, in that culture, a ring in the nose was, was a ring like right there. Came right through, and most women wore rings and noses. So it wasn't like a, a bad ring in a nose; it was a good ring in a nose. Yes, right up here. It's through here. It's through the side. It's not like a pig. Okay, okay. You know, JB, God came to Abraham and said, "You know, you're going to be my 
so how much do his relatives really know about God? Because I get the sense here when they say the matter comes from the Lord, so we got to see the bad or good. It's kind of like, do they, did they really have strong believers? It appeared, I don't know if they were strong believers, but I know they knew about the God of Abraham because God is, Abraham is the one that told them when he was leaving what God had done and God had called him to go to another place. You remember when he left, they didn't even know where he was going and he didn't even know where he was going, but he told them that God had told him to go. And that he had promises for him. So they knew that Abraham strongly believed in the God of Abraham, whoever that was. We don't know exactly what all these, but we're going to see later. They're going to connect back again when uh, Jacob and everybody comes back up there. So, yeah, it's, it's, uh, we don't know. But their impression, the impression is this must be from, from the Lord. In fact, notice, um, notice the word that is used in verse 50 when Laban and Bethuel replied, the matter comes from the Lord. That's L-O-R-D, all capitals. That's the personal name of God. So they use the personal name of God there. So that gives you an indication that they knew maybe who the, who the true God was. When Abraham left, didn't he anyway worship like the moon god? We know the Ur of the Chaldees region worshipped the moon god. We don't know if Abraham did or not. We always say that Abraham may have come out of paganism when he understood about the true God. So we just don't know about all of that. Well, notice verse 54 again. Then he and the men who, ate, who were with him ate and drank and spent the night, and they arose in the morning. And he said, send me away to my master. Basically, let me go. But, whoa, but her brother and her mother said, let the girl stay with us a few days. Mm, say ten. Afterwards, she may go. Why ten days? You have any idea? Why ten days? And why would they say, no, no, you take on off and then she'll come like ten days later? If you were the servant, do you want to take off and, and get back a four-month trip, five-month trip, and get back to Isaac and say, she's coming in ten days, I think. Right? What do you think they're trying to do? I don't know. Do you think maybe they might even... Uh, do you think they might even be thinking that you'll take off and you'll never see this woman again and we got all these gifts? Do you think they may be doing that? I don't know. I'm asking. What do y'all think? Huh? It may be that. Yeah. He said to them, no, 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 no. Do not delay me since the Lord has prospered my way. Who's working all these events? The Lord. Send me away that I may go to my master. Okay, now it's getting down. It's getting down to where it is right now, right? They're gonna to have to make a decision then. So they said, "Okay, we'll call the girl and consult her wishes." Now, now they're gonna ask the girl, right? Because this is now serious. They call Rebecca and said to her, "Will you go with this man?" And she said, "I will go. I will go." You know, I look at this. She's gonna to have to trust God. She's going to go to a man she's never seen far from her family. She doesn't have a clue. All she knows is a distant relative. That's all she now she knows he's rich. Because the servant told him. Said that he's blessed my master and he's rich and everything he has he's given to his son. And so the son's rich. She knows she's going to marry a rich man. But that's really all she knows, and it's a relative. She's going to have to trust God. Because she's also having to say, it, it, you know, I don't know why I said I'll water those camels. 
I mean, I just said it. I, I said, well, you can have water. I'll water your camels. But I said it. I'll go. Thus they sent away their sister Rebecca and her nurse with Abraham's servant and his men. Now watch what they say. And they blessed Rebekah and said to her, May you, our sister, become thousands of ten thousands, and may your descendants possess the gate of those who hate them. It means may you take over your enemies. Did uh, she become thousands of ten thousands? Man, yeah. Because how many children does she have? Do you know? Two, who are they? Jacob and Esau. And how many children did... Esau have a few. How many did Jacob have? Twelve guys and, and one girl. And how many kids did they have? Came a whole nation, didn't it? Then Rebecca rose with her maids, and they mounted the camels and followed, a man, followed the man. So the servant took Rebecca and departed. You know, sometimes in life we... Um, we do things and we don't know exactly what's going to happen. There are people who who tomorrow are going to start school and they have no idea what's going to happen to them. They've left home for the first time. They're living someplace they've never lived before. They're going to start classes and working towards and they they don't know what the future holds for them. And here's this woman, young woman, Getting on a camel and fixing to make not a not a two day trip or a five day trip, but probably a five six month trip to find some man she's never seen. Alan Ross is a seminary, my Hebrew professor, one of the Hebrew professors at Dallas. When I was there, he said the choice of the bride is God's choice. The sign is confirmed. Laban recognizes this. Rebecca complies. She recognizes God's sovereignty. Each person's choices all fitting together. I mean, because think about it. Who said she would go? Who said she would go? She did. Rebecca said, you, you will go? I'll go. Now, is it the sovereign plan of God that she goes? Did she have the choice to go or not to go? She did. Is she going to go? Yeah, yeah. Did you have the choice to be here tonight or not? You could have stayed home, right? You think it was God's sovereign plan that you'd be here tonight? There's no, there's no fate, by the way. No, no luck. There's no bad luck or good luck. There's no luck. There's God working all things according to the counsel of His will. Well, look what happens. Now Isaac had come from going to Beer Loa, for he was living in the Negev. The Negev is the southern part of Israel, way down there in the the Sinai. Well, not the Sinai, but the 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 uh, place heading down toward Egypt. So he's been down there. Isaac went out to meditate in the field toward evening. And he lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, camels were coming. How long could it have been since the servant left? Almost a year, possibly. Could have been almost a year. How often do you think he went out to meditate? Who knows? This night he wants to go meditate. He goes out. He goes out in the field. He's meditating. He's like this. And he looks up and he goes... That looks like camels. That looks like camels. If that's camels, I think I know what's happening. Right? 
How old is he? He's 40 years old. They're going to have kids, right? How old are they going to be when they have kids, you know? I heard somebody say it. 60. It's going to be 20 years before they have kids. Isaac went out to meditate in the field toward the evening. He lifted up his eyes. He looked. Behold, camels were coming. Rebecca lifted up her eyes. And when she saw Isaac, she dismounted from the camel. She said to the servant, Who is the man walking in the field to meet us? <laughs> As if she doesn't know. I think she's got an idea who it is. And the servant said, He is my master. Look what she did. What's the next thing she does? She took her veil and covered herself. You know what the veil was? It's a sign of betrothal. Because some of the traditions of that the ceremony, she takes the veil off and lays it across his shoulder. That's part of the ceremony sometimes. So what she's doing is she's covering herself because she's saying, I'm betrothed to you, so I'm covering myself. The servant told Isaac all the things that he had done. He told him the whole story. He says, this is what happened. Then Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent. And he took Rebekah and she became his wife. And he loved her. How do you love somebody you don't know? You can. It happens all the time. Love is a choice. Love's not a feeling. You choose to love. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. It didn't say feel like it. It said do it. Wives, love your husbands. Love your children. Love is, love is a choice. Love has feelings with it. But love's not a feeling. That's why even in the old days when the Jewish thing, and they'd say, okay, this woman, this man, you will be married. And they loved one another. They chose, they chose to love. Love is a commitment. He loved her. Thus, Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. See, that family, it, it, it was missing after Sarah died. It, it, it just wasn't the same. You need a woman around the house, right? Especially Isaac. Because, see, Isaac has to have a bride. Why? The, the Messiah's got to come through them. You're going to have to get married and get a bride if you're going to have a seed. It's going to take... And bring the Messiah. That's why Abraham said, I think it's about time. You know, go get a bride from a son. What have we seen? We've seen the sovereignty and providence of God. All the way through the whole passage. God does this. God does this. God was working this way. God caused that. He works all events according to the counsel of his world. It was the right girl at the right time and the right family, the right servant, everything. Second, whoops, what happened? Oh, I don't want that up there right there. Okay, okay. then man's freedom to choose. We see man's freedom. Servant says this, says this, says this. Finally, he says, listen, okay, I, everything's worked out, but if you're not going to give it to me, let me know because i got to go make another decision. Every day we make choices, make decisions. Third, even in this picture, in this passage, there's a picture 
really that's a type of Christ? Let me show you. And I don't know if you can see it because Nathan put this up there for me. And uh, I, I don't know if you can read it, this next thing. But it's called The Bride for Isaac and The Bride for Christ because this is really a picture. Getting The Bride for Isaac is really the picture of getting The Bride for Christ. You may not can read it, and I don't want you to look at all the verses and everything. But Abraham wants a bride. God wants a bride for his son. He sends his servant. God sends his servant, the Holy Spirit. He finds Rebecca. God finds the church, so to speak. The price is paid. By the way, that's what those gifts were as, as when it all came down and they said, yes, we'll do it. That's when he brought out all the gifts, the articles of silver and gold. That's the gifts. Well, the price has been paid because that's the blood of Jesus Christ. Rebecca agrees. Well, mankind, we agree because we come by faith. If we want to be the bride of Christ, we, we believe. And Isaac meets Rebecca in the field. And some people say Christ meets the church in the air, which is a pretty... Special thing. So that's that's just a little picture of that. May or may not fit exactly right, but most people believe and most Bible scholars say that Isaac getting the bride is really a picture of Christ being the bride, uh, uh, the church being the bride of Christ. Okay, let's get some applications. The first one is this. Realize that God is sovereign and he's working on all the events of our lives. He's the creator of heaven and earth, a sovereign one. You know, I love this. Nothing is too big for him to accomplish. Nothing. Nothing's too big. And the second thing is, nothing's too small for him to notice. He knows everything. He knows everything in our lives. You know, you know, when you're sad, when you're hurting, when you're up, when you're down, it doesn't matter what it is. You know, you, you may think, nobody knows how I feel. Yeah, God knows exactly how you feel. He knows everything about you. He knows everything. Nothing's too small for him to notice. Nothing's too big for him not to deal with it. He is working in all the events of our lives. So understand that. And, um, you, know, I, I, you know, I want to say this. Are we servants of the living God? I love this little saying, if you're too big to do little things, then you're too little to do big things. It's really true. If you, you know, you want to say, do I want to live for Jesus Christ? Do I want to serve Him? Sometimes we say, I'm not going to do that. That's too little. If you're too big to do little things, you're too little to do big things. That's just the way it is. Second is trust God as we make decisions. Proverbs three, five, and six: Trust the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. All your ways, what? Acknowledge Him, and He will what? Direct your paths. So as we as we go through life. You know, we make decisions all the time. We have to trust Him that He's working all things. We have His specific will. In fact, yeah, we do. We have His specific will. It's revealed in the Scripture. We trust and obey. But we have so much freedom. Freedom to make wise choices. To trust and obey. Freedom to make wise choices. Now think about your life. You do not know the sovereign will of God for your life. There's no way to know it. You know the specific will of God for your life. It's found in the Scripture. The general will of God for your life, you have freedom to make any choice you want to because you didn't give you revelation and it's not right or wrong. And so in our lives, we can do that. Well, how do we make wise choices? Well, pray, ask for wisdom. I'm not talking pray for a revelation, but ask for wisdom. Ask for, is there something in the scripture I've missed? What are the circumstances? How are things working out? Get wise counsel. What are your desires? Delight yourself in the Lord and what? He does what? Gives you what? The desires of your heart. Where do the desires come from? If you say, I really want to do that, why do you really want to do that? I remember a college girl came to me one time. This is years ago. I just taught this at the college retreat. She heard it. She liked it. And, and she came to see me and she says, um, this whole will of God thing has got me uh, bothered because, I mean, I see what you're saying, but I've always been taught this. And she, she said, I've got a decision I want to make. And I said, what's your decision? She says, I'm going to OSU. But I've always wanted to go to this school in California. 
I said, well, that's a bad choice. She didn't leave an OSU. But anyhow, I said, I said, okay, so what do you want to do? She said, I've always wanted to go to school in California. I said, can you get in? She said, oh, yeah, I'm accepted there. In fact, she said, I got a scholarship. If I go, I have a full scholarship there. I don't have to pay anything. I said, why don't you go? And she said, because I don't know if that's what God wants me to do. I said, how are you going to know? She said, well, I just keep thinking if I pray, somehow it will come into my mind that whether I'm supposed to go or not. I said, listen, I want you to understand, this is not a right or wrong decision. You don't have revelation on this one. You have the freedom to go to California or stay here. What do you really want to do? She said, I've always wanted to go there. I said, why don't you go? She said, I think I will. And she left because she had the freedom to go there. Or not to go there. It's not a right or wrong decision. And so often we put ourselves in situations where we can't make decisions because we keep thinking God's going to give us some kind of revelation when he says, I'm not giving you any revelation on that. You have freedom. Make any choice you want. Understand God is working sovereignly. We obey the word of God and we make wise choices. Third thing, realize that we're the bride of Christ. We are. He died for us. Ephesians talks about that. Uh, Jesus died and rose again, and he is the one that we, we get to come to the marriage supper of the Lamb, and we're the bride of Christ. And on my Wednesday night study we've been doing, on, uh, uh, right after the meal and, and here, we've been talking about how uh, the relationship between Christ and the church. And one of the weeks we looked at he's the bride. I mean, he's the groom and we're the bride, and that's how it is. It's very powerful. We belong to him. May we trust, in the event, may we trust God in the events of our lives. Knowing he's working all things according to the counsel of his will. And we have the freedom to make wise choices, to obey him, to serve him, and to make choices. Let me pray and we'll open up for any questions. Heavenly Father, thanks for tonight. Thanks for the passage. It's a long passage, Lord. But thank you for, as we see, the sovereignty of our great God working all things. That he is doing everything. That we need to trust him as we make decisions and know that we have great freedom. And Lord, realize that this picture of Isaac getting the bride is really the picture of Jesus Christ getting the bride. Thank you, Lord, for the fact that we, by faith in Jesus Christ, become the bride of Christ. And we'll be with him forever. Thank you, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Questions, comments, anything? Yes, Gary. No. It has to. And, and, and think about Abraham. Because Abraham, I mean, he was 100, Abraham's 140 years old when he says, let's be better get a, we better get somebody. Now, remember what I, I know, I, I'm going to give you this. You remember what we said about Abraham and Sarah before Isaac was born? They were what? They were dead, right? They couldn't, they weren't able to have babies, right? I mean, they, it, was, it was a miracle from God that they had the babies, right? That they had the baby, correct? Look at, uh, look at chapter 35. Now, Abraham took another wife whose name was what? Keturah? Abraham, you're a hundred and, you're at least 140 years old and you're taking another wife? But look at the next verse. She bore to him one son, two, three, four, five, six. Six sons? And then it starts telling, this one's the father of this, and this is the father of this, and the father of this. What is going on here? That Abraham was some kind of guy, wasn't he? What about Abraham? We'll see that next time. Okay, any, any more questions, comments, anything else? Yes. I was kind of wondering is whenever he brings 
meets Rebecca, brings her into camp, takes her into Sarah's tent. Where's Abraham? I mean, we don't know. Oh, he's not saying anything about it. I'm sure Abraham, the blessings of Abraham was there. He's just not mentioned right here. I mean, it's not like Abraham wasn't around when this happened. I am sure that that this is this is what Abraham wanted for them to be married. Because see, it doesn't say. It says he brought her into his mother's tent and he took Rebecca and she became his wife. That means they had they were married. Okay. So I think this is just a general picture saying they were married and this is where they lived or where they stayed. Now I'm sure that if if you remember that Abraham. Uh, is very wealthy and he has over 300 men as soldiers in his own camp, not counting all his servants. So where they live is not a place about this size. No telling how far spread out it was. Anything else? No, we do not. At least I, I you know, let me, let me keep looking because I, I sometimes I, you know, forget as you read on ahead, it gives you some information. But at this stage, I can't. I, I, I don't think we know how old she is. I'm picturing her as fairly young because most girls were married at young ages. Sometimes they were married off to older men. I mean, let's face it. If she's young and she could be as young as 14, 15, 16, 17, she's marrying a 40-year-old man right now. But but let's say she's 18. She's going to be 38 before she has a child because it's going to be 20 more years down the road. It seems to me that when you see all this, time just goes by. And, and it, you know, it, it's, it's like when those friends of Job came. Remember when the friends of Job came to meet with him? Do you know what they did? Now, what would we do if one of our friends had a couple of tragedies? We'd knock on the door, he'd open the door, and we'd go, hey, hey, let's, we want to talk to you. Job was sitting out there. His friends came up, and they sat on the ground away from him and wept for a whole week before they ever talked to him. We'd go, could you guys hurry it up a little bit? My gosh, a whole week just sitting out there? So who knows? Heavenly Father, what a great night. Thanks for each one that's here. And uh, Lord, help us as we continue the study of the book of Genesis. Help us to see all of these things. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.